Hello and welcome to Truth For Today with Terry Fan. And yes, I'm your host, Terry Fan. In a world full of confusion that leads to chaos, the answer for clarity is the absolute truth of God's Word. It has stood the test of time. I hope you'll listen to this message with an open heart and that God would speak to you one-on-one through it. If you're ever in the Florence, Mississippi area, then we would love for you to join us for live worship. Please feel free to reach out to me at terryfant at icloud.com. May the Lord bless you as he draws, shapes, and instructs you. Now, let's listen to today's message. Amen. I love what Ryan prayed right there, that our hearts would be ready to receive it. Uh, That's the key to it all, isn't it? We love to sing songs about uh, worship and, and what that means, and it feels good to us sometimes to say, Lord, I, I worship you and only you, and uh, there are songs of the past that say, I surrender all, and, and yet the truth of the matter is, all of that is a process for me and you. Wouldn't you agree with me? I, I don't know that any of us can honestly say that we're all the way there right now. Uh, we've already attained perfection, uh, but instead, we would declare that we are a work in progress. Somebody amen right there. And so because of that, I want you to consider for a moment the message of that last song. Um, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Now remember, worship is any action or inaction, any thought, any word, any deed, anything that I will do, anything that I won't do as an act of showing and expressing what God is worth to me. Now, I could say anything there. I could say what anything is worth to me. Uh, Like, for instance, there are a lot of people, there's a country singer giving a concert here in town, and that concert is worth standing. Somebody said they stayed an hour and a half to get in. They had a parking pass. It took them that long to get in. He was in, he was in Oxford last night. And so worship, we worship all kinds of things. It's actions and inactions and deeds and, and that sh- express what something is worth to us. You all with me? And so tonight I want us to think about what it means to worship the Lord and the context of what we're about to hear. Okay, so if I'm coming back to the heart of worship, it means this. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. That's, that's the heart of true, authentic worship. We were made to worship God. And so this morning, we heard a, a message that basically assaulted our flesh. Would you agree with that? Uh, in every way, right? And so because of that, it's so interesting. I heard so many people today making excuses as to why they didn't feel like, uh, they didn't feel like, uh, that application was absolutely what they needed to do. And so let me remind you of a couple things. Number one, feelings are fickle. And what we determine as the people of God is that the Word of God is our ultimate authority. Somebody amen right there. And so our feelings are going to get sometimes hurt and sometimes encouraged and sometimes all kinds of stuff. But the Word of God stands forever, no matter what you and I think or feel. Uh, I notice a lot of people were trying to make excuses as to why they weren't going to follow through with that because, you know, whatever reason, had several people stop me and say, yeah, but our government, and I'd stop them and say, yeah, our government's not anywhere close to as evil as Nero. Our government is not setting us on fire reading their books, and so the rest of the conversation is null and void. Now, is there some crookedness? Well, sure, but not nearly the fact that they're dipping us in wax and burning us while they read their books by our body's candlelight. Would you agree with that statement? Somebody Amen. So then all of our excuses and all that stuff is unavoidable. And by the way, when you and I speak rebellion against the Word of God, we are expressing something that's very dangerous. It is the fact that we're trying to lead God instead of being led by God. We have to be careful. Listen, I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to you as your pastor. It's very important that we find ourselves in humble submission to the Word of God. By the way, the point of the text this morning was your humble submission to government and to cruel masters is an expression of your relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you didn't find yourself in humble submission to the Word this morning, you need to consider whether or not you're in humble submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen? 
Amen. I love you enough to tell you that. And uh, one day I'll answer for whether or not I told you that or not. And you won't be there with me to defend me. So uh, I had to say that to you tonight, okay? Now, back to the heart of worship. Now, tonight, we're going to be looking at a message. And, and I, I could tell you that at least five people said this to me. We were reading ahead, and my husband, at least five. And I came in like a little closer to time than normal. And so th- I believe if I'd have been here earlier, I'd have got more than five. And so those five said, if you'd have been here, uh, man, my husband read ahead and he or my wife and, he, and she. And so what I need you to remind, to remind you of is that worship is me pursuing, seeking the face of God, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all the other parts of life will be added to me. Now, notice he didn't say seek for your husband the kingdom of God. Notice he doesn't say seek for your wife the kingdom of God. Y'all, y'all, anybody tracking with me? Uh, so tonight, it's not about what she should do. It's not about what he should do. It's about me and you humbly surrendering in our seat to what God is about to say to us through his word. So I'd like for us to take a moment of silent preparation in prayer. Would you do that with me? Somebody said, well, this isn't in the order of service. Yes, in the Holy Ghost order of service. So as you bow your head for just a moment, if your spouse is with you, would you reach over and just grab her hand? Sir, you're the leader, so you reach over and just grab her hand, maybe put your arm around her, and pray for both of you. Rather it be silently or out loud, just pray right now. Lord, would you humble our hearts that we're not fault-finding in each other, but that we instead are making application to our personal walks with Jesus. Would you pray something like that? Ma'am, would you pray the same? If you're here today and you're in a dating relationship and there are chances that it might head toward marriage, would you, right now, would you say, Lord, would you help us to consider this before we enter into a covenant union? Would you help us to consider deeply what we're about to learn? As we sang that song, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Would you, would you do this in, in order that, listen, that Christ would be magnified? Why would I listen tonight? Why would I take notes? Why would I make application to my own life in my pursuit of Jesus? Because it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. So now we've had just a moment. Maybe you're here and you're single and you say, I don't even know why I'm here tonight. And I'll tell you why. There's going to be some things in your future that God is preparing you for. Maybe some lessons that learned from the past, but also new things to learn for the future. There's some young people among us. There's some guests among us. There are those who will be listening to this on podcast way long time from now. And my humble heart's desire is that our lives would be transformed by it. And that the world would see Jesus through our marriage relationships. So, Father, come now and minister to our hearts through your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you so much for that. I believe tonight has the power to transform homes and marriages. And because of that, when marriages are transformed, families are transformed. And when families are transformed, churches are transformed. And churches and communities can be transformed simply by the marriage. Because God ordained the family. Do you know that? He ordained the family as a way and means by which to get the gospel to the world. And so maybe you say, wait a minute, what? I thought he was my rock. I thought she was my world. I thought they were my soulmate. I thought they were created by God just to make me happy and have fun. And you were mistaken, amen? You just were mistaken. That's okay. We all have to make mistakes. Um, but instead, God put you two together or allowed you to make the decisions to come together, uh, a man and a woman, for the purpose of glorifying his name, taking the gospel to the world by 
how you testify in your marriage. Now, we're remembering who authored the book. Somebody help me. The human author was Peter. Uh, some things you know about Peter. Peter was never afraid of anything, right? No, he was a chicken. At one point, he was scared to death. Something was going to happen to him. When he denied Jesus three times, he said he wouldn't. Jesus said he would. Jesus was right. Peter was wrong. But, but Jesus still loved Peter all the way to the end. And because of that, we're mindful and hopeful that God loves us, aren't we? Even though we failed. Well, we failed. Listen, there's some people in here that right now you're just feeling such guilt and shame because you're divorced. And I, I wish you just put that under the blood of Jesus and receive his grace tonight and not just sit there and feel beat down and, and less than. Or maybe you're single and you're looking around and you think everybody in the room is married except you and you're wrong. There are a lot of single folk in the room. And so my prayer is that you would allow the Spirit to speak through you as Peter spoke to those believers. Now, remember their context. They were facing difficult times. If that's true, raise your hand. A little participation. Five of us got there. Okay, eight of us? Ten of us. All right, y'all didn't get your nap today, did you? Or oh, you're still in your nap today. Once again, uh, we learned that uh, they are facing a very difficult time, and he's instructing them. And I remember where he, he, he began in chapter 1 by saying, we looked at it Resurrection Sunday, you have a living hope. You have a li you're different. You're different. You're not like the rest of the world who hopes in the, in the economy, who hopes in the presidency, who hopes in, you're not like the rest of the world, who hopes in your comfort. You're different, right? You have a living hope, and the living hope you have is not in the outcome of your circumstances or situations, but your living hope is resting fully on the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he says, you're different, you're different. Now, then he makes application as to how. Now, remember, as we got into chapter 2, we saw in verse 11, he said, beloved, remember, that's their relationship to God. Jesus has made them beloved children of God. So that's the relationship to him, to, to God. But then he's going to turn now and talk about their relationship to the world. So my question for you tonight, just to ponder as we're getting started, what is your relationship to the, Lord, to the world? If you're a child of God, you are the beloved of God. Jesus has made you the beloved of God. So you are a child of the king. But what's your relationship to the world? Should you hate the world? Should you distance yourself from the world? What is it that is your relationship to the world? And so we have learned this morning, we began learning that part of it is the fact that we're to live different. We're to abstain from our fleshly lust. Now, I'm going to see if you're listening this morning because we learned a whole lot. And one of the things we talked about, abstaining from fleshly lust is not just pornography or alcohol or, right, or drugs, but in the context of this book, they were to abstain from the fleshly lusts of rebelling against the government, of rebelling against cruel leaders. And so today, we're going to, or tonight rather, we're going to look at, uh, they are to we are to abstain from the fleshly lusts of rebelling against God's design in the marriage. Did you know that there is a, nat a nature within you, the nature of Adam, that makes you want to do marriage your way? Huh? Now, y'all are just not going to participate. It's been a really long day for me. Uh, I'm telling you, I'm, I, it's been a long day. You guys are just going to stare at me all day long. And I want you to think for a minute about what I'm saying. Within you is born a nature that wants to do marriage your way. What feels right. The problem with that, and I talk about this oftentimes in counseling, is that uh, Tina and I made such great mistakes in the beginning that we learned exactly what not to do. <clears throat> we didn't have great examples to follow. We didn't grow up in the church. We had all these things. And so we did what we call the box top, putting together the entertainment center by looking at the box top. And one of those box top mistakes is that we do what feels right. And the problem with that is what feels right to me generally benefits me, and what feels right to Tina generally benefits Tina. And same for you. It's the nature of Adam in you. So because of that, tonight we're going to hear God's way of doing it. 
and we'll have to submit to the authority of the word because our flesh is going to speak against it and whisper against it. And, uh, and you just hang on because that flesh is sitting there waiting. And the enemy does not want you and me to live according to the principles of God's word because when we do, the world sees a testimony. We're talking about testifying to the world. And tonight specifically testifying in the avenue of marriage. And when the world sees that, the people you work with, people that don't know Jesus, they see something different about you in the marriage relationship and they are drawn, the, the hope is they are drawn to Jesus. Okay? Is that good? Are we all right? Everybody good? And so we know the occasion. We know the author. We know what's going on. We have a little footing as to the context. I want to invite you now to stand to your feet as we read seven verses together, beginning here in 1 Peter, chapter number, help me somebody, chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Y'all really did read ahead trying to poke fun at each other, didn't you? Beginning in verse number 1. Y'all having as much fun as I am going a verse at a time? I just really love it when God does that, puts us in a book, and we just work the thing out from beginning to end. All right, chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1. Everybody there? All right. Can we smile one time together? It's going to be all right. We're going to make it through this, okay? Uh, chapter 3, verse number 1, wives likewise. Now, wait, what did he just come from? He's comparing the wives' submission to something. He just left, a, he just left a, a, an example of submission. What was the last one he talked about? Slave to master. Now, which master? The good ones and the kind ones? All of them. So good, kind, and what was the other word he used? Heart. Look at y'all. Y'all going to be able to teach First Peter before it's over. And I pray that you will in your home in generations to come. That's the point of expository preaching, that you're able to learn it in such a way that you're, you can teach it and make disciples like Jesus asked you to do, commanded you to do. All right, verse 1. Wives, likewise, like, just like the, the, ma the slaves to their masters, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty. Here's the incorruptible beauty as seen by God, a gentle and a quiet spirit, which is, and I want you to say these two words with me, very precious. All right, again, I heard more males than I heard females, I think there. All right, here we go, ready? Which is very precious. Precious in the sight, not of culture, not, not of, not of your, your, your other girlfriends, but in the sight of God. Now, you need to pay attention. That's the beauty contest you want to win. Anybody catch that? That's the one you want to win. Verse 5, for in this manner, uh, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands, likewise, likewise, meaning, meaning in the same manner, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Let's pray, all right? Would you bow with me? Somebody said, we prayed three times already. Hallelujah, we're going to pray a bunch more, all right? And I hope you pray the whole time you're sitting there so that we don't, I don't get myself in trouble, and I don't get you in too much trouble, and we pay attention and we apply it to ourselves and not the people around us. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, would you help me now as I preach this word with clarity and boldness, yet seasoned with grace? And God, as you help me to do that, by the gift you've given me to proclaim, to expound upon, to teach and, and explain your word. Lord, give me power of the Holy Spirit to deliver in a way that we lean in and we enjoy our time together and we leave out of here transformed. Now, Lord, as you help me do that, help me to hear what you have to say. Lord, help me to listen attentively. God, would you tune my ears and would you, would you scare away the birds, Lord, that are trying to distract me, those demonic birds that are whispering thoughts 
Would you please keep my focus and attention? Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you would rebuke the enemy from this building and from those who be listening, that we might listen in, and that, God, I pray that marriages are transformed, both that are current and that are also future. And I pray it in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ himself and the people of God said together, amen and amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, as you're being seated, we've got to hurry up and get started because we've got a lot to cover, all right? Now, I've been praying today that I don't get myself in trouble too much, all right? And uh, so the main idea of our passage is simply this, followers of Jesus. Now, it's going to sound eerily similar to this morning, but a little different, a little different arena. Now, there were two arenas this morning, two areas that they were to testify. Do you remember what they were? Number one was obedience to the government, and the second arena was obedience to Master. So, so one would be the government, one would be the workplace. Best application we can make, all right? Okay, now moving forward. Tonight's arena is the arena of, don't say it like that. I'm going to give you another shot at that. Tonight's arena is the arena of marriage. There you go. I want to see a smile on your face. It is the arena of marriage. And what he's going to do now is talk to the wife first and then instruct the husband second. And some of y'all looking at how long he instructs the wives and how short he instructs the husbands. You hang on. That verse number seven is pregnant with truth. You wait and see. Uh, it's, it's, it's more than just a little whisper of a word. You'll, you'll find out. Just hang on, okay? So, uh, men, be careful that as we are, as, as God is dealing with the ladies in the room, not to elbow her. Don't give her one of those sneering glances. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Sort of just, if you can, sit and look straight forward, all right? And this will keep you from getting yourself into trouble, and it'll give her the best opportunity of listening to what God wants to say to her without you interfering. Is anybody with me? Uh, I have said this about our marriage a lot of times, and Tina knows this. There were years ago after Tina and I would have a disagreement. We, I call them tiffs, right? That's a, a proper way of saying a fight. You've been had a fight, an argument. And, uh, and we'd had one of those, and I'd wake up next morning, and I'd pray, oh, God, change that hard-headed woman. She's mean. And, and, uh, and right there on the side of the bed, he said, hang on, hang on. This is what he whispered to me. You're 50% of the problem. You're hard-headed. You can be mean. And I'm like, mm, okay. Yeah, that's true. And then the next logical thought hit me, because God does use logic sometimes. And he logically he said to me, if there's a, both of you have a tendency to be hard-headed and what have you, selfish and whatever, only one of those two can you submit to me. That's what God whispered to me. I can't submit Tina to the Lord. I can only surrender myself to the Lord. And by the way, sir, ma'am, you're only responsible for your surrender. So let's make application. All right, number one, he's going to talk about, now this is going to be in broken two sections. Can you guess what they are? Number one, it's one word, wives. <laughs> Why? Isn't that fun? Wives. So we're going to be in verses 1 through 6 as he deals with the wife. How is the wife supposed to testify that she has a living hope in Jesus in the context of the marriage? That's the question. And that is exactly what the Holy Ghost is going to answer through Peter to his audience, but also through me to us here tonight, okay? So here we go, number one in your outline, Roman number one. And by the way, it's just going to have one, two, and three, and three is going to have A and B. Can you imagine that? Oh, you got your colored highlighters out, and no, you're not. Y'all are like, I ain't writing no notes on this. I want to encourage you, right, uh, to write a few of these things down because it is, in fact, the Word of God, and I believe it has the power to transform our life. Number one in this list, and there are going to be three. Three is going to have A and B. Number one, write this down, follow the leadership of your husband. 
How is the wife supposed to testify that she has a living hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? How is she supposed to testify that? Number one, first, very first thing he's going to say is to follow the leadership of your husband. Now, uh, there's going to be some things that work against that. Anybody amen right there? Be careful how you amen and when you amen, all right? Follow the leadership of your husband. Verse number one, chapter three, First Peter, was to say, wives, likewise, just like the slave to the master, you be submissive. In other words, find yourself under the leadership of your own husband. What does that mean? Not somebody else's husband, not a group of men, but find yourself under the leadership of your own husband. Does that mean that your husband is to be the dictator and the tyrant who comes home from work and says, now you get in there and you cook me fried chicken. I only want white meat. I want this to drink. I want this for dessert. And the answer to that is no. Nowhere in the Word of God is leadership defined as tyrannical or dictator. Instead, it is defined by the role of our Lord, our Master. And our master in John chapter 13 gave us the perfect example of what leadership is supposed to look like. Remember, he took off his outer garment. He took a basin of water and a pitcher. Does anybody, anybody in the house remember what the leader, what the Lamb of God, what the Lord of Lords did at that Last Supper? Somebody help me. Wash their feet. And he said, this is what leadership looks like. We serve. We we give an example to follow. We don't tell or we don't demand, but we lead in such a way as we say, come on, follow. And so following his leadership, all right? So that was easy. We can move on to number two, following the leadership of your own husband, okay? Number two, because I have a lot of ladies that will sometimes when they've heard these verses and they'll say, now, wait a minute, what about, what about my husband? Because he's a rascal. Now, that's putting it mildly. To what I have heard. I can't, sometimes I can't repeat some of the words that I hear, right? And so they'll say, what about, because he doesn't love God. He, he doesn't, you know, and, and can I tell you, if I'm just honest with you, can I tell you where my mind goes immediately, like first thing? I wonder if anybody ever taught you as a young person that you're not supposed to be unequally yoked. So let me visit that for just a minute. If you're here and you're, and you're not yet married, um, I want to encourage you that the Word of God says that light has no business intermingling with darkness, uh, what he says is that we should not be unequally yoked, which means two people yoked up like a team of oxen together, working together, right? And so what he's saying is you don't want to put an unbeliever with a, you know why? They work against each other. One's headed one way, one's headed the other. And I want to tell you that I have seen some of the most miserable experiences on planet Earth when the husband or the wife is yoked up to somebody who does not love God. Now, you might say to yourself, well, no, I didn't do that because I wasn't walking with God at the time, and I was saved after that, and that person, the husband, the wife, whatever, has not come on board, all right? So uh, the wife will say to me sometimes, well, what I'm, you, you're telling me the Word of God says I'm supposed to follow the leadership of my husband, but he hasn't earned my respect. You ever thought that? Because the world system down here says I'll respect you if you, right, you've got to earn my respect. But the principle of the kingdom is not that God has to earn, that anybody has to earn anything, but because I've been bought with blood, precious blood, and because the Spirit of God is living in me, if this is how he says do it, it he didn't say follow the leadership of your husband if he earns it and leads well. He said follow the leadership of your husband, and then there's a period. And then, and then Peter explains that not only in the case of a man who maybe nominally likes God or, or goes to church, but he, he, in fact, goes the other direction. And remember, there's a comparison of the master and the slave. Because the slave was told, 
uh, was instructed by the Word of God to find themselves in submission to the good, kind, generous leader, right, but also to the harsh one. So now he's going to say the same way, the same way. Listen to what happens now as we read in verse number one still. Y'all there? Everybody still there? Everybody okay? All right. Straight ahead. Here we go. Wives likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some, some what? Husbands. If some of them, y'all help me, do not obey the word. Now, if you'll notice a theme in the first letter Peter wrote, those, it's interesting because, listen, obeying the word doesn't make you saved, but you'll notice there's a theme here that he identifies oftentimes believers as those who obey and unbelievers as those who do not obey, all right? And so what we have here is he's saying even if your husband's lost, even if the Word of God has no impact on his life, even if he doesn't read the Word, even if he doesn't strive to live the Word, even if the Word is the most foreign thing to his life and all he likes is NASCAR and Bud Light, if all his life is evolved in fishing and hunting and all he wants to do is live for himself, even that guy, you're supposed to find yourself under his... Oh, boy, it gets quiet in here, doesn't it? Now, just like, listen to me, just like evil governments, just like evil... Masters over slaves, or, or, or masters over slaves, period. My mind can't hardly wrap around that, uh, ladies. Can I just tell you that tonight? Uh, when I hear that, I, when I read that, I'm like, I just, you know, because, because here's what we'll say. We'll say, and this is what we really believe, God wants me to be happy. And so following the leadership of this rascal is not making me happy. He's selfish. He's self-centered. He's all about himself. And I just want to go to church and be with my church family. And so we wrap that up into this Christian little deal, and we say, this is the way, and it's not the way, that's the way. And what the way says is even if he's not living by the word, even if he doesn't know the word, even if he's not walking by the word, that, that even in that case, the, the lady, the female that has been born again, now he's not talking to unbelievers, He's talking to believers. Now, now remember, I need to remind you of something right here because right now our minds are sort of reeling and it's hard for us to put those pieces together. But the whole purpose is that, is that a lost husband married to a lost wife, there should be some, one response. But a lost husband married to a saved wife, there ought to be an unexpected response. Does that make sense to you? And it's the same theme. It's the same thing from the government. If it's an evil government, they should, and they're treating the people one way, there should be a, an expected response. But because Jesus is Lord, there's a different response. When I'm a, a slave and I have a master, uh, and the master's mistreating me and pummeling me with his fists all the time, then there's an expected response. But when Jesus is Lord, the testimony is I respond, the believer responds different. For the woman who's married and to a husband who's selfish and self-centered and she doesn't know Christ, there's a normal response. But to the woman who's married to the man who doesn't know Christ and therefore lives as if he doesn't know Christ, she does, there's a different response than that which is expected. Anybody with me tonight? Is this starting to make, has this starting to make a little more sense to you than you've read through this before and now all of a sudden you're like, okay, I see this is really all about testifying. It's really all about platforms to testify of Jesus. But what we want to do, we really want to testify with our Christian t-shirts and Christian concerts and you with me? We really don't want to testify in suffering. And by the way, the woman who is married to a man who is lost and living lost is in suffering. I'm telling you right now. I've seen it. I've heard about it. And it is a suffering situation. Somebody know what I'm talking about? Just sort of nod your head where you at. And she's suffering. But she's suffering for the glory of God. 
as she goes about following his leadership. So, number one, follow the leadership of your husband. Number two, follow the leadership of your husband. Write this down because I sort of, this is a little bit wordy, but it'll make sense to you now that I fleshed it out. Number two, follow the leadership of your husband even if he is lost and living like it. Even if he's lost and living like it. I had a lady ask me one time, well, my husband smokes marijuana and he wants me to smoke marijuana and I believe that's a, a violation of my faith. Or my husband, he likes to drink alcohol. He wants me to drink alcohol with him or to look at things I should be looking at. What, what, what are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are always Jesus Christ is supreme. He's Alpha Omega. You never follow the leadership of a government into sin, a slave master into sin, or a husband into sin. Anybody with me? We never, we're always under biblical authority to not follow anybody into the place of sin. Can we, now we got that settled? Okay, so now we move on. So follow the leadership of your husband, even if he's lost and living like it. Now why? What's the purpose of that? Let me give you a statement. I'm going to read it. The greatest evangelistic witness to an unsaved husband is the gospel evidence in how his wife lives. Let me say that to you again. The greatest evangelistic witness to an unsaved husband is the gospel evidence in how his wife lives. The greatest one. How do you know that? Because it says it right here. It's not Billy Graham. It's not the, the, the newest evangelist that's winning souls all over the world. But the greatest evangelistic witness to your husband, to a lost husband, is what? The gospel. Come on, y'all help me. The, boy, we just ain't even going, I'm telling you the truth. It's the gospel evidence in how his wife lives her life. It's a, listen to me. You, you're talking about a weighty matter. What, what are we talking about here? Her husband getting a good haircut and a good job? No. We're talking about her husband's eternal salvation. We're talking about him coming to faith in Jesus. We're talking about having his sins forgiven. We're talking about the difference between heaven and hell. We're talking about the difference between somebody who is causing carnage and chaos uh, and, and a man who is uh, bringing light into the darkness. And the greatest evangelistic tool is what? The gospel evidence in the way his wife lives her life. Wow. Uh, that's pretty profound, isn't it? Um, that's a position of, of high honor. Let, let me just sort of read on, if I can, uh, verse number one. So it, notice what he says. It may, if they, I'm in verse number one still, uh, to your own husbands that even if some of them do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. Now notice that he compared two things, word and conduct. Did you see that? I wish y'all participate with me now. Boy, it's been a long day. Word and conduct. One thing is what you say, one thing is what you do. And what he's saying is, now, now make application. Uh, the wife who only nags him with her mouth but has no gospel evidence in how she treats him is not going to win him. It's not going to make a difference. Matter of fact, the way men are wired, she's going to end up pushing him further away. Uh, matter of fact, you know the Scripture says, and I quote this from the Proverbs every once in a while, it says it's better to live on the corner of a roof alone than with a nagging wife. And listen, I know we all laugh about that, but that's Scripture. That's from the Word of God. And we'll laugh about it. <laughs> that's, that's funny because I'm a nagger. But that's not funny. That's not funny. Not if, now, listen, if you don't know Jesus, I get it. It's kind of cute and all that. But if Jesus is Lord, it's different because we're different. 
And we've been bought with blood, and we have the Holy Spirit living in us. And we've been instructed by the Word. So uh, here's, here's what he says. As this thing uh, unfolds in front of our eyes, that she may, he is going to be one without a word. Can you imagine that? I had a lady tell me one time, I keep telling him, I keep telling him, I keep telling him, I keep telling him, but he won't, he won't. I keep telling him, he won't, I keep telling him. And I said, if you keep telling him, he's going to keep wanting. You with me? And he ain't going to do it. He just ain't going to do it. We're hard-headed as a five-year-old. And if you tell him, you keep telling him, he's not going to do it. But if without a word, without a word, your life displays your love for Jesus, you'll be surprised at the impact you'll make in his life. But, but I did that for like two weeks, and I, he didn't say, listen to me now, he didn't say it was going to be quick. He didn't say it was going to happen right overnight. And let me just say to you that who is, now remember, we talked about earlier this morning, we have an example to follow, whereas we can never be justified to say, well, I'm, I'm tired of suffering. It's not fair to me because we have a champion whose footsteps we are supposed to be following in. And our champion is who? It ain't your mama and your grandmama. It's Jesus. And so watch out, let me read a little further, that they may be won by the conduct of their wives. So uh, follow the leadership of your husband. Number two, follow the leadership of your husband, even if he's lost and living like he's lost. Because, by the way, lost people act lost. It's all they know. It's all we knew. We don't know how to act any different. We don't have the power to live any different. So, of course, we're going to live lost. Number three, be a living example of Jesus. All right? Now we're going to talk about that. This is going to have A, B, and C. Are you all ready? This is going to be fun. Oh, boy, I can't even get a smile in the house. Be a living example of Jesus. Now, remember the context. They're facing persecution, but they're married. And marriage presents its own set of challenges without any kind of persecution from the world. Somebody ought to shout amen. That's a good one. Everybody can say amen right there. You're not going to get in trouble right there. Just say amen if you believe that. I say marriage is the greatest continual practice of grace on this planet. You wake up together, you go to sleep together, you do wrong things, you act wrong, you do, you know, we just, it's just back and forth. And you grow a little, you take a step forward, take a step back, and you do it together, all the time together. So there's going to be some great grace required. So they're facing persecution from the outside, but they're also facing the common difficulties of marriage that they have. Listen to me, just because the world thought they'd set fires and wanted to kill them because of their faith in Jesus did not mean they weren't still going to struggle with where we're going to eat supper at tonight. I don't know. Where do you want? I don't know. How about Popeyes? No, I hate Popeyes. Well, you said you didn't care. Well, I don't want Popeyes. Okay, what about Wendy's? I don't want Wendy's. No, I don't like Wendy's. Well, what you said you didn't care. And so now I know they didn't have Wendy's and Popeyes, but what I want to do right there is sort of bring you into the context that marriage has its own unique set of right struggles. And they didn't set that to the side just because they had all this pressure from the outside. Matter of fact, I believe, I believe when we face persecution and pressure from the outside, generally it intensifies those, where do you want to eat? I don't know. Well, you said that last week. There was a big fight then, right? Because you have all this pressure on the outside. Anybody with me still? A little like your life? Anybody else's life besides my life? All right. And so this thing is real. It's practical. Don't you dare sit in your, set, in your seat and let yourself off the hook because you believe there's some certain special set of circumstances that apply to you that don't apply to them. We can't imagine what their situation was. So whatever scenario the enemy or our flesh is trying to whisper to us, we need to just push that out of the way and be reminded it ain't nothing compared to what they were going through. So we're settling that as we go along. So being a living example of Jesus, A, B, and C. A is found in verse number two. A, live with pure motives and from a fear of the Lord. Man, if you want to know how to testify of Jesus in your marriage, be a living example of Jesus by letter A, living with pure motives and from a fear, not of your husband, not of the government, but a fear of 
the Lord. Now remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's what the Word of God says. When I'm a fear of the Lord, I'm respecting His awe and power and His boundaries and His consequences and His benefits. I'm respecting all of that. Then what happens is it changes how I live my life. And that's what he's saying here. Let let, let me read if I can. Back in verse number 2. When they observe, because remember this whole thing is about testifying not just through words, but testifying through how we live our lives. And he says, when they, who are they? Lost husbands or saved husbands. Husbands, when, when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Did you know, ma'am, that your husband, whether he tells you or not, is watching how you walk with Jesus? He may not ever say anything to you, but he's always formulating and thinking and processing and looking to see if he's making a difference in your life, to see if you're chasing after. He's, just, he's always kind of evaluating the scene. And that's what he's talking about. They're always observing you. They're watching you. And he says what they want to see, what they ought to be able to see in your life is two things. Uh, a chaste conduct, which means a life lived with pure purity, or pure motives. In other words, you don't do what you do to manipulate him. You do what you do because of who Jesus is. Oh, I wish somebody would hear that. You don't do what you do because you're manipulating what you want him to do, your husband. You do what you do because your motive is pure and you want your husband to know Jesus. And you want your husband, if he knows him, to grow closer to Jesus and be all that Jesus died for him to be. Pure motives and, and a, listen to what he says, and uh, accompanied by fear. So I do this because God said. That's what he's talking about. Fear the Lord. I do it because God said. Why do you put up with that rascal because God said to? Why do you respect him? He's a rascal. Now, I know I'm using calm words here compared to what you normally hear at the workplace. Um, but why do you do that? Because God told me to. And your husband says, I don't know why you hang around because, you know, I don't go to church with you. I do this. I do that. I mistreat you. I drink. I do what I want to do. And I don't understand why you're still here. Well, because the Lord says I'm supposed to. Fear, you see. A healthy respect and honor of who God is and because God said. And that's why I am. And so let me move on if I can. Let her be. So be a living example of Jesus by living with pure motives and fear from, from a fear of the Lord. Let her be, concentrate on divine beauty. Would you write that one in your notes there? Concentrate on, help me out, divine beauty. Did you know that there is a, such a thing as divine beauty? Now, what is divine? It means of God. And so if you were to imagine today two beauty contests, one beauty contest was judged by the peers, your own peers. In other words, men, uh, and I'm going to say men judging the beauty contest, men judging the, the beauty of your life from the outside, okay? There's one beauty contest. The second one is the Lord looking at your life, and the contest is not to beat somebody else, right, in beauty, but the contest is to be pleasing in his sight. One contest, you win by the approval of man, and you get a crown, or you get to be the most popular girl on the block, or everybody's asking you for a date. The other, you get to please the one who sent his son to die for you. Now, I'm afraid that too many ladies have spent too much time concentrating on the wrong beauty pageant. Now, listen to what he says. Let's read it, okay? All right, read with me, if you will, verses 3 and 4. Do not let your adornment be merely outward. Arranging the hair, that's going to the hair salon. Wearing gold, that's going to the jewelry, jeweler. Or putting on fine apparel, that's shopping for the finest clothing. And now it gets eerily silent in here. Now listen, um, tonight, if this is the story of your life, it'd be a good night to swap and focus on the other beauty pageant. 
And I know it's not a beauty pageant. You understand? I hope you understand my heart. I'm not saying you're trying to win God's beauty pageant. I'm, try, I'm trying to say that you're, you ought to strive to please God and how your life looks. So when we talk about this, he says that you may uh, adorn. Now, now, let me say this also. I have to be careful here because notice that the word merely there is written in italics. That means that it was added for good understanding of the words here. And so literally in the context, he's not forbidding that you wear nice clothes or that you put on gold or you do your hair. Uh, I tell my girls this. I, I joke with them. They, 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 don't, they think it's funny now. They didn't at one particular time. But they'd sometimes come downstairs and they'd come out of the room. And Tina would tell you what I tell them. I say, y'all need to go put a little mascara on. You look dead. And I always had that joke with my girls, you know, and they always got a good laugh. And y'all, some of y'all look at me like, he's a monster. I'm not. I'm just half crazy. That's all. And I like, to keep, I like to keep stuff going. Me and my girls have had a blast with that over the years. I always joke with their friends and they're saying, y'all getting up. It's time to get up. And they're kind of grumbling up there. And I say, now, make sure y'all put a little mascara on before you leave the house so you don't look dead. And so uh, he's not saying don't put on makeup and don't put on, d- brush your hair. That's not what he's saying. We need to brush our hair, don't we? Yeah, it's not wrong to do that. But what he's saying is, don't let that be the full concentration of your efforts. Now, let, let's read a little further along. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty, here it is, of a gentle, two things, and a quiet spirit, which in the beauty pageant of God is... Very precious in the sight of God, of God. So my question for you tonight, ma'am, is first a statement. That is, gentle and quiet are very precious to God. Now, that's not what our culture promotes. That's not what our society promotes, and that's not what our country promotes. And I'm telling you, it's not what our flesh promotes. And when you couple culture and our families and, and, and with our flesh, I'm telling you, you're pushing against a tidal wave of influence that will influence you not to be quiet but to be loud, not to be gentle but to be harsh. I wish there's a lady that would say amen or nod at me or blink so I know that y'all aren't going to kill me when we say amen. It's the truth. And so he, he goes on to tell them, uh, don't let it be just this, but make sure that it is this. This is where your real concentration needs to be on the forming of the inner person. Where is that done? It's done in the Word of God. It's done in prayer. That's where the gentle and quiet spirit is formed. It's not formed by your husband. It's not formed by your children. It's not formed by Facebook. It's not formed by what's going on in the society. It's not formed at the shops. It is formed in your personal pursuit of Jesus. So if the quietness is not getting quieter, could it be that the time is not being spent with him that needs to be? If the gentleness is not being more gentle, could it be that you're not spending time with the master, the only one who can transform us? We can't do it ourselves. Now, I want to ask a question of you before I move forward. Where have you been concentrating? Now, just ponder that for a minute. Where have you been concentrating? So as I was thinking today, all right, what does it look like then to concentrate on the outward adornment? Okay, boy, y'all don't look at the carpet. Look up. Hey, we're learning together, right? We're learning together. And hold on, we're going to hit the guys. Just hang on. But remember, we're taking this in for ourselves. So where are you concentrating? All right, how do I know? All right, the first beauty pageant is in the, is in the realm of the eyes of man. That's all it is. It's, that's why it says outward adornment. It's to please what? The eyes. Isn't it funny that we do things in our life to please the eyes of other people? I wish somebody would let that, let that kind of settle in on you for a minute. 
Yes, it's, it's, really, it's really strange about us. So where, how do I know? So, so the one beauty pageant in the platform of the <clears throat> visual aid of the world is going to be built in tanning beds and hair salons and nail salons and hair colorings and jewelry. And listen, and this is not a laughing matter. If I'm going to personally evaluate my life, I have to look at the tangible, real aspects of how my life is unfolding. Well, the pastor said we shouldn't go to the hair salons and we shouldn't go, don't put words in my mouth, that is not what I said. I'm asking you to evaluate where you spend more time and more money. In your pursuit of him and being gentle and quiet through the word and through prayer or what people see with their eyes when they see you. Now, remember this. No person that ever sees you has any impact on your eternity. No person that ever evaluates you by how tan you are, how nice your hair looks, how in shape you are or not, how nice your clothing fits. No one who ever evaluates you from their eyes will ever impact your eternity and will ever love you like Jesus has loved you. So really, it's a little bit foolish that we do. And God, by the way, men do it just, just the same. It's not just a women thing. It's, it's a men thing too. Which, where have I been concentrating? Or, or, okay, or, here's the other, here's the other one. In other words, the beauty pageant of the world, or, or, and I'm just saying the beauty pageant of God. I know that sounds ridiculous. I, I hope you guys know I'm not talking about winning a prize with God, but I'm just saying about my life looking pleasing and beautiful to him. Here's what it looks like. Or, or am I spending the time in the tandem beds, the hairstyles and the salons, the colors, the jewelry and all that stuff, or personal study time in the word. Praying without ceasing. Discipling other women. Being discipled by other women. Memorizing Scripture. Meditating on Scripture. Now, notice no one's writing the list down. So I'm concerned if you're making a long evaluation or if you're just sort of going to hit this thing and move on. And so I want you to think about it. Which one? I want you, if you were to make some categories here, I wrote down tanning bed, hairstyles, nail salons, coloring my hair, uh, uh, jewelry, fine clothing. And then the other one I put personal Bible study, time in the Word, praying without ceasing, discipling, being discipled, memorizing Scripture, meditating Scripture. And if I assign time values and money resource values to those, which one, it'll make a, listen, nobody needs to see this but you. It's not for the viewing of anybody else. It's just for you and your walk with the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you'll make an honest evaluation, you'll, you can find out without having to go through five days of fasting. You can find out real quickly which platform you've been concentrating on. Don't let it be merely outward. It's okay to have your hair done and get your nails okay. As long as your main concentration is that the nature and the life of Christ is being produced in you, through the Word of God, through meditating in Scripture, memorizing Scripture, discipling, being discipled, uh, spending time in prayer without ceasing, and that is what he is saying. Finally, finally, let us see. So be a living example of Jesus. Live with pure motives from a fear of, of the Lord. Concentrate on divine beauty. We talked about what that is, and it's quiet and a gentle spirit. Notice that the Scripture, it's, it's interesting to me that, that the Holy Ghost would put through Peter very precious to God. He could have chose any word group. You, you understand? I mean, he could have he said it's good to God. He could have said God likes that, but he chose by the Holy Spirit to say it is very precious in the sight of God. Whose sight matters more to you? It'll be determined in where you're spending and concentrating your time, talent, and treasure, okay? Let us see respect him, verse 5 and 6, okay? Listen to this. 
I got a little quick funny story to tell when I read these two, okay? For in this manner, Tina's getting nervous. This was not about us. This was about Mama and Papa, okay? Verse 5, for in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God, in this manner, in what manner? They, they, they followed the leadership of their husband. They displayed the life of God, a godly life. In this manner, in former times, the holy women, by the way, that's a, a good group you want to be in. Come on, somebody. You want to be, Listen. When you die, you want your kids not to say that you kept your hair done and your lipstick on and your earrings were always just right. You want your children to say, my mama was a holy woman who trusted in God, also adorned themselves with being submissive to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him. You remember the story I'm about to tell. We were at the breakfast table one one time. All the family was there. And uh, maybe it was lunchtime. I believe it was lunchtime. And my papa asked my mama, they're both in heaven now. He was a pastor, and he said, Wilma was my granny. He said, Wilma, get, will you get me a fork? And she didn't answer him. She was busy doing something else. He said, Wilma, will you get me a fork? You know, wasn't going to get up. She's over busy with something. She didn't answer him. She said, Wilma, you hear me talking to you? And kind of raised his voice or whatever. And she said, don't you raise your voice. Actually, I think she threw a fork at him. <laughs> that, uh, that's what happened. She threw that fork across the table, you know. And it bounced. And he said, he, of course, he laughed about it. That's what he was trying to do anyway. And he said, now, how are you going to treat me like that when Abraham, I mean, when Sarah called Abraham Lord? And she said, well, I ain't Sarah and you ain't Abraham. <laughs> now, let me help you to understand what that word Lord means. Do you notice something different about that Lord as it's recorded in the Scripture? Anything? What's that? Come on, everybody together? Lord K. So you guys are learning through your English Bible how to learn what the differences in words in translation. <clears throat> so this word for Lord is lowercase. And it would be a word that you might assign to your boss or uh, to somebody who is uh, in some kind of authority over you here in life, right? Certainly not Lord, like capital L. You with me? All right? Ladies, everybody good? Y'all understand what I'm saying? What he's talking about there is to respect him. Respect him. Give him the position of leadership in the home. Respect him. Now, uh, many of you have heard me give the spill on respect being that greatest need in his life. And if you want to see him operate well in his walk with Jesus, you give him respect. But he did not, even when he doesn't walk with the word, even when he doesn't know the word, even if he's lost, just give him, if you give him the position of leadership, you encourage him about the things he is doing. You watch what he'll do. Stand up straighter. You say, no, I noticed that you did. Instead of saying, you didn't do this and you didn't do that, you didn't take the trash out, you didn't do that, you didn't do this. If you'll just say, hey, you know what, I noticed, I noticed that you blew off the back porch. I noticed, you know, I saw you reading your Bible the other day. That rascal will sit up straighter, carry himself different. Come on, guys, y'all know what I'm talking about. I, I've said this before, and I mean it with all my heart. I got 100 people say it's the best message I've ever heard. It really impacted my heart. I said, man, that gives me encouragement. It makes me keep going. But if Tina says it, I want to get my Bible out and go to work right now for the next one. It's just different. So place of respect. All right, so I'm going to move on now to the husbands. Number two, husbands. Women said, glory to God. Get off of us, man, and let's give the guys an opportunity, all right? Roman numeral two, husbands. Wives, if you will take the plan of God for your life and begin to apply it, you'll testify that you have a living hope. If you'll do it like that in your marriage, if you'll, if you'll trust the Lord to help you do that in your marriage, it's not even about having a better marriage. That'll be a byproduct. But it's, notice he didn't say your marriage will be perfect. No, the whole point of this is that, is that how you live here now is a testimony that Jesus Christ really is your living hope. Okay, does that make sense to you? So the goal is not do this and your marriage is going to get better. It's going to get, yes, it's going to make a tremendous difference. I promise you it is. But the ultimate overarching theme here is that if you'll do that, you will be a testimony of Jesus 
in your marriage. All right, men, husbands, verse number seven. I know it's only one verse. And I love talking with guys. They're like, our part's easy. And I'm like, boy, you just are really misunderstood uh, in this deal. But I'm going to help you. That's what I'm here for is to help explain the Word of God in its entirety. So husbands, chapter 3, verse number 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. So just like the wife is to be an example of Jesus, she's to be a gospel witness to her husband, whether he's saved or not. So the husband is to be a gospel witness to his wife. And the first part of that gospel witness is, number one, he's to live with her with understanding. Now, that's easy for us guys. I'm about to poll the audience. Ladies, if you agree with that statement, that it is easy, your man understands you so easily, I want you to raise your hand. Okay, look at that. Uh, Survey says... Understanding the female is not easy for us. Now, that doesn't make the female weird. Men, you need to listen because we get in little groups and we say, them women are crazy. No, they're not. They're just different. And they're designed different by God. And for you to make statements like that dishonors God because God made them just like he made us in his image. And they are of no lesser value because they are female. We are equal in value, different in essence, in leadership for function, right? But in value, 100% the same. All right? And so because of that, you have to be careful. You, you may, now listen, uh, the, the hard part is dwelling with them with understanding. When you begin to study the Word of God, you find out some things that will help you understand her. Number one is this, and I'm just going to talk about really just two. One, these are paramount. First one is her greatest need is to be loved. And if you would imagine his great need to be respected, his question is, can I do this? He's always looking at his wife and listening to his wife to say, yes, you can do this. You're doing a great job. Keep going, keep going, keep going. The same way, the wife has a question, do you love me? And it's continually answered. Us guys think we answered that the day we said I do. Right? Isn't that how we do sometimes, guys? I mean, if I change my mind, I'll let you know. Um, But that is not the biblical way to love our wives. They have a constant question. We should have a constant answer. It ought to be a constant answer. Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Not just in word, but in deed. Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. All right? So uh, first we need to understand her great need is love. And so that's why when you say things and do things, she gets so beside herself because she doesn't feel loved. And that's why we always scratch our head and say, what did I do, you know? But he says, it's not okay for you to say, she's a woman. She's crazy. Not if you're going to live a testimony of Jesus in the marriage. If you're going to live a testimony of Jesus in the marriage, you've got to dwell with her with what? Understanding. Don't miss that. God has called you through the Word of God and the Spirit of God to begin to understand her. And by the way, it will take both of those. Because she's foreign to you. She's foreign to me. Right? Sometimes we sit and we look and we say, what in the world is going on right now? And the same is true vice versa. Ladies look at us sometimes, and they say to themselves, that is the stupidest thing I have heard in my whole life, and I know you've got to be joking because you can't mean that. And, in fact, we do. <laughs> huh? Anybody putting, picking out what I'm putting down? So then, you are not off the hook to say she's crazy or she's different or she's a woman. Who can understand a woman? You're not off the hook. Now, if you're lost, you are, but the hook you're on is a lot bigger. But if you're born again, you're not off the hook. You're not, it's not okay to say, well, I'm saved by the blood of the lamb. We're just going to ignore each other, and I'll stay in my shop and work all the time. And No. 
Dwell means to live in experience and time together with understanding. You've got to adjust your life. I've got to adjust my life by the power of the Spirit and the Word to show her I love her. Anybody tracking with me? Too much of our time is spent trying to understand, right, in a way that we want to conform them to the image of man, but they're not supposed to be men. And thank God for that. I'd hate to live in a world that only had dudes in it. First of all, there'd only be about 10 people, right? And if those 10 people found a good spot to hunt, that'd be the end of the human race. Because we're not going to go through the pain of childbirth, and we can be distracted by hunting in just a second. So we need both, right? Neither's better. Different. And man, he said to you, if you're going to give a testimony, you've got to Now, how does that look when you go to work? Because remember, we're talking about a testimony here. So then you go to work on Monday. And, you know, Jim, uh, who doesn't know the Lord and doesn't walk with God, and Jim says to you, my wife, she's so, man, she nags, she's so mean, I'm so sick of her, I'm, I can't stand, she's always, and he's on and on, and, and he's waiting for you to jump in and to talk about your wife, but you don't. As a matter of fact, you take opportunities now and again to say something good about her. Nobody else is around. She's not there, so it's not to earn points. Oh, I wish you'd hear me. We're not on this point system. It's who we are. And so you say, you say something kind. Well, let me tell you about my wife. She's this. And then finally Jim says, you know, I'm about tired of this. What, what's wrong with you? What's going on here? Oh, well, the Word of God says because Jesus is Lord of my life, I'm supposed to try through the Spirit of God and the Word of God to understand her, know that she's different. And that doesn't make it negative. That's a good thing. I'm glad she's different than me. And so I'm supposed to dwell with her with understanding. I'm supposed to understand some things about her. Now, there's something else I need to tell you you need to understand about her that's going to help you not to make fun of her, not to poke fun at her or to look down on her, but to help her because, well, I'll get to that in just a minute, okay? <clears throat> Another thing you need to know about her, number one, her greatest need is to be loved. Second thing you need to know if you're going to live with her with understanding, uh, according to Genesis 3.16, she's born with a desire to tell you what to do. I wish you guys wouldn't laugh when I'm telling you the truth from the Word. There's times to laugh and not times to laugh, and... Genesis 3.16, I gave you a verse. I, would, I know sometimes you never know when I'm being funny because I guess I'm, you know, funny anyway. But Genesis 3.16 is not a joke. It's a consequence of the fall of sin. It's a terrible thing. It's a curse. It ought to, matter of fact, when I mention it, it ought to make you a little bit nauseous, a little bit brokenhearted. Part of the curse of the fall of man, when man dropped the ball and didn't lead his wife to victory, instead ignored the command of God and watched his wife, sat there and watched her do what God said don't do in case she died so he could run away. In cowardly fashion, a passive leader dropped the ball in the most terrible of ways. And in that, the snake suffered consequence. Remember, now you'll crawl on your belly and eat dust. Next was the creation, and then, and then you remember next was the woman. And the woman got two consequences. You guys heard me talk about this just not too long ago. Number one was, come on, y'all, painful childbirth. And number two was, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Clearly put, a desire to control her husband. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 16. Now, sir, you better put that thing to memory if you're going to try and dwell with her with understanding. Because when you're in the car and she tells you you need to turn left, and please don't laugh. I, it's going to be so much like life. We're going to want to laugh because we all, we all experience this. You get in the car and you, and you know you've got to turn left right, and she tells you turn right here or tries to help push the brake for you 
or, or y'all with me? Give you a list and tell you, check it twice and second guess anything that you say you're going to do or ask you why or kind of, you know, you, you know somebody just kind of constantly uh, double check you and, and it can be really excessive, it can be really mild. But if the word of God is true, and I believe it is, the, then Genesis 3.16 says every female is born with that. And if you're ever going to live with her with understanding and not be mad at her about that when it happens, then we need to know that up front, right? And so, now, now <clears throat> here's what we do, and I'm talking about me too, guys. When that happens, we get ticked off, man, like a five-year-old kid. What do you mean like a five-year-old kid? Tell a five-year-old kid, don't climb those stairs and watch them. They will fight you in the best of their abilities at five years old to get up those steps. And if you finally win, and you may not, but if you win the fight, they're going to be what? Angry with you. And that's how we do when, when our wives try to tell us things. And, you know, we just, we get just, I mean, and most of the time they're not telling us bad things. You know, you're pulling the Walmart parking lot. You see your parking space up there. You're headed towards it. She says, you need to go park up there. And you want to make a lap and park way out there by the road. Because we're like, well, I'm telling you, respect. We feel disrespect in that moment. But watch what happens. If I understand, dwell with her with, help me, understanding. If I understand that on the front, then when it happens, instead of me getting ticked off and acting like a five-year-old, I'm supposed to help her become all that Christ died for her to be. Some of y'all say, I do. I told her, stop doing that. <laughs> that's, that that's not necessarily the technique that, that, that God intends for us to use. I'm going to tell you what it is. You ready? Now, first of all, how many of you learned that for the first time tonight, that every female is born with a desire to control her husband? Raise your hand if that's the first time you've heard that. Isn't that interesting? Genesis 3.16. You can find it. If you go back to the nursery and you get, I don't know, what do you think, Tina, four or five-year-old kid, five-year-old girl and a five-year-old boy, put them in a, they don't have to know each other, put them in a room, give them some little boy toys, give them some little girl toys. She'll have that sucker playing baby dolls, mad as a wet setting hen, right? And he'll be doing it mad as, mad as he can be. She'll dominate his tail. Where'd that come from? Genesis 3.16. It's a reality. And instead of getting mad at her from what she was born with, we are supposed to, I'm telling you, God's really speaking to my heart right now. We're supposed to help them as the leader of, their, of, our, of our homes to come out of that. And not just that, but other ways. And by the way, ma'am, you also to help him grow by the ways we discussed earlier. You help him grow. Now, let me give you a verse to go along with that if I can. If, write this in your notes, Ephesians 5, 25 and 26. <clears throat> Now, I said something a couple weeks ago, about got myself in trouble, I'm going to do it again. That's always, it smells like, it sounds wise, doesn't it? Uh, Ephesians 5, 25 and 26. If I was to, okay, we'll just go off of that one. I think we'll be safe here. Based on that one, that the, the Bible says every woman has a desire to tell you what to do. If you could change that in your wife. Now, ladies, have grace for us right now. Because I, if I could ask you if there's some things you could change about him, you'd raise both your hands and both your feet. But I'm trying to teach them in something right here, okay? So just give me a little grace for just a minute, all right? <clears throat> Sir, y'all guys look at me for a minute. Some of y'all looking down, looking all around, and you're thinking about work tomorrow, and you've got to push that away and listen closely. If I was to ask the men in the room, if you could change that about your wife, if you could change that, hit the, you need to, what, what, hit the brake. You turn, turn right here. Park here. You need to do this. You need to, why are you doing that? You need to do it this way. If you could change that about your wife, how many of you would do that? How many of you would do that? If you could, well, I'll tell you whether some men are like, man, I'm not raising my hand. My preacher got me in a mess on Sunday night, boy. Okay, now, again, if I asked the ladies, I could give you a 1,000 questions. They'd raise both their hands and both their feet, but I'm trying to teach them in something here because we cop out right there. So I'm going to ask you again. Ladies, look at it, give him a nod. Tell him it's all right for him to raise his hand, all right, if he, if he feels that way. All right, here it is, here it is. 
I'm going to ask again because I saw five hands. Me and Cody Phelps, only honest two people in the room. He's raising both his hands back there. <clears throat> if we could change that one aspect that she was born with, she didn't just decide to be that way, she was born. If we could change that one aspect, and you could, would you? Raise your hand if you would. Some of y'all, I might have to come out there and have a talk. <laughs> Scared absolutely to death. So you would. Now, what if the Word of God shared with me and you how we could impact not just that part, but all of the fallen parts, because you're the priest of the home. You're responsible for where the family goes. It may not be your fault, but you're certainly responsible. And so what if the Word of God says if there's something about your wife that doesn't line up with what God wants for her, and you as her spiritual leader have the ability to wash her with something, to help her with that, and you've not done it, what in the world are you waiting for? So what is it? What is it that the Word of God says that the man, the husband, the leader is supposed to wash the wife with, to help her with the old ways and the family, and the family with? You ready? Ephesians 5, 25 and 26, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her, you ready, with the washing of water by, instead of complaining Monday morning about all the things that you wish were different, teach her the word of God. Sit down with your Bible. In other words, if you're not doing that, you are contributing to the lack of change, not just in her, but in your children, in your home as a whole. See, ladies, you thought your part was difficult. And, sir, I know you're looking down and you're not thinking, you think you can't do it, you think you don't know enough, you think you don't listen. Listen to me. You've got to stop giving yourself excuses to not be the man God called you to be. That's too easy. I don't know enough. I don't this. I don't that. I'm teaching you, if nothing else, the book of First Peter, verse at a time. When we get to the end, you take your notes and what you've learned and reteach it in your home. Look how the church helped you. Look why Jesus provided the church for you. Now, my question for you is, what are you going to do with it? Now, y'all said, man, he's talking, talking kind of tough. I love talking to dudes, man, because I just believe you can be just right, dead level honest and challenge a man. And what I found is that deep down there's something God put in there that caused him to rise up. God pre-programmed him with that. And so, guys, I hope you hear my heart. What I'm saying to you is it's time for us to rise up, do what we've called to do. Instead of complaining about all the issues, God put one leader to be the sol part of the solution. And the sad part of this all is that 90% of us in this room don't spend any teaching time with our families. But we spend a whole lot of time complaining about what we wish was different. So how is the man supposed to live the testimony of Jesus in his home, live with her with understanding, right? And number two in your notes there, and I'm still just sort of concluding on the husband's part. Uh, husbands, number one, uh, live with her with understanding. Her greatest need is love, and she's born with a desire to tell you what to do, and you are responsible for helping wash her with the word of the living God. Number two, honor her as an equal partner. Boy, I didn't even hear a grunt or a nothing. It's amazing how 400 people can be so quiet. Honor her as an equal partner. All right, there's some ladies helping me out now. An equal partner, all right? Let me, where do I find that? Look with me, if you will. Verse number 7, y'all there? Husbands, likewise, dwell with your wife with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the, and as being heirs together of 
the grace of life. Now, in this particular context, the grace of life is marriage. Did you know that marriage is a gracious gift from God? Can you imagine? I don't know about those of you who are here, and I know that some of you maybe haven't been married yet, or some of you have maybe gone through a divorce, and you're, right now you're, you're in a painful spot. And listen, I know that Jesus Christ is sufficient right there. But also, let me just, I want to just also say this. Marriage is a gracious gift. That God would put me with her for the rest of our life. That's gracious, man, because I need her. And I, I sometimes think about where I would be if something happened to her. And uh, it'd be a mess. Y'all be in a mess. Not just me. Let me wake you up to something. Something happens to her. We're all in a mess. Uh, because she is the help that I need in every situation. And I think about sometimes what happened if, if she's gone. You know, and, and I want you just to consider for a minute what I'm, with the point that I'm making here is, is that she is an equal partner in this. She's a gracious gift from God to my life. And what he's saying here is that we should, we should navigate this thing as joint heirs. Now, what that means is partners of something we're going to receive. Okay? And so that means that we are equal. How many of you know that husband and wife are equal? Now, how many of you, how many of you, don't answer this out loud, answer on the inside. This will get you in trouble for sure. How many would say that probably the way things are going at home, it doesn't look like it? It may look like somebody else is 70% and the other one's 30. And yet the truth of the matter is we're supposed to be equal parts. Now, I'll give you an example of that because uh, leadership is not for sissies. It's not for the weak. Somebody amen right there. Leadership, guys, is not something that you do. You, again, if it was just dictating, you just got to pick what you wanted, that'd be simple, right? Except that's not what this kind of leadership is. It's serving by example and leading in a direction and asking others to come along with you as you pursue Jesus, as you serve the kingdom. And so as we're doing that, we think about what it means to be an equal partner. I'm reminded of something that happened in our home. When, when was it that Maddie and them were living with us? A couple years? So they're in between moving out of a place and buying another place in there, and they're living in the house. And some of you have heard me tell the story before. And back in the playroom, I can hear some commotion. I don't like commotion in the house. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? There's some screaming. When I say that, I'm talking about screaming, and, and I'm like, what in the world, you know? And so I hear uh, one of the, I won't throw the grandchildren under the bus, but I hear one of them screaming. And so I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm, I think I was studying at the, at the table, and Tina's at the, at the sink doing some things in the kitchen. And I'm, I'm listening, and I'm like, all right, you know, just take a deep breath and focus on what you're doing, and just screaming, screaming, screaming. Then I hear Maddie uh, our Maddie talking to her, real calm, you know, real soft, the opposite of her daddy, uh, you know, and, and then more screaming. And then more quiet talking and calm talking and pacified and more screaming. And they go back and forth. What seemed like three days really was about three minutes, but y'all know what I'm talking about? So I get up from my chair. Immediately, I've had, finally had enough. You ever have enough? And I move to action. I slide my chair away from the table. I hop up. And normally the shortest route is to go through here, but I went this way for some reason. I think it was the Holy Spirit of God. And as I went, I was on a mission. You remember when I was on a mission? I don't know how she saw me. I think she got eyes in the back of her head. I was already past her peripheral vision, and as I got just at the right spot, shoop, she threw that hand up and put it on my chest right there. Not hard. She didn't push me down. She just gently put her hand on my chest. And I remember thinking, what do you think you're doing? I'm about to go lead this thing. And she said very gently, this is, this is what the Scripture talks about, gentle and quiet. It doesn't mean that you're silent. Lady, you listening to me tonight? She could have raised her voice at me and said, you get over there and sit down. You're acting like it. And you know what happened? We'd have had a fight there. Then I'd have went back there. We'd have had a fight back there. But she said very gently, you know, I want to go too. But if they're going to live in our house for however long and this not be weird, we're going to have to let them parent. I'm like, man. 
I, and they're still back there screaming. And I, and I just sort of looked at the ground. You know why? Because I knew she was right. Equal partners. Equal partners. I remember going and sitting down thinking, man, this is, she's right, you know. So I just had to go over and pray. You know? <laughs> Lord, help me. Lord, help her. Lord, help, help the grandbaby. Lord, just please help us. Um, but you see what that looks like in everyday life? Join, it's equal partners. When there's a decision to be made, one doesn't make it. Two make it. But ultimately, if there's a disagreement between the two as they've been praying and seeking the Lord, ultimately the decision falls on the man. Why? Because he by himself will answer for where you go. And so for the man, he better make sure he's walking so close to the Lord he hears God's heartbeat. And he better make sure that as he's making decisions, as he's leading the family, and he's, because his family is a testimony of his living hope in Jesus to a lost and dying world. He better make doggone sure he's walking with Jesus, being fed by the Word of God. He's got other men in his life that are holding him accountable, helping him to see blind spots. He's discipling and being discipled. I'm telling you, if a man is going to lead, he's got to find himself fully surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And that's where leadership is found. So honor her as an equal partner. Now, you say, wait a minute. It says honor her as the weaker vessel. Okay? So how can weaker be equal? Is that a good question? Right? Anybody say that's, that's a good question? Raise your hand if you think that's a good question. How can it be? Okay, all right, good. I'm glad you all agree, so I'm going to answer it. Here it is. If I asked you which is of more value, uh, a sledgehammer made of steel or a silk blouse or silk, steel or silk, one is stronger, one is weaker. Which one's stronger? Steel. Which one's weaker? Silk. If I said to you, which one of those is weaker, you'd obviously say silk, right? But if I asked you which one is of more value, you'd have to say depends on the application. Because I'd hate to see you drive a nail with a silk blouse or put on a shirt made of solid iron. And so neither one is strong. Now, you see how they're equal? Depends on their purpose. The female has a purpose. The male has a purpose. One is physically stronger. On the av- did you know av- on the average the male is physically stronger? Do you all know that's what he's talking about there? It's just on the average. Does that mean there's not any female stronger than males? No, it doesn't mean that. It just means on the average. And if you want to check that out, go look into biology. You'll find out that the male body is, on average, stronger than the female. He's got larger lung capacities, more muscle mass. Oh, and here's an interesting fact. His bones are like an eighth-inch thicker. Y'all didn't get the hard-headed part, huh? (laughs) And so you learn that there's an equal partnership. If you want to glorify God in your marriage, understand neither one of you is of more value. One's a leader for function, but you're equal partners, listening to and gaining information from one another. And then, if you will, all right, so let me just say, uh, honor her. uh, 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 Second, we said honor her as an equal partner. What does that mean? Speak to her often. Give her praise. Listen to me, guys. This is the most painful thing for you. You ready? Give her communication. That means you got to talk to her. And listen to me. God, God's wired us to be fixers. you got to talk to her and communicate not to fix her. Check out the video. It's not about the nail. Check that out tonight. That's your homework assignment. And when you get in your car, y'all watch it together. You're going to have a blast. Y'all, y'all get that? Did you write it down somewhere? YouTube video is called what? It's not about the nail. Give her communication, not just to fix her because it's not about the nail. You'll get that after you watch it. And then lastly, what I shared with you about Maddie and, and, and the situation there, listen to her input. Listen to what she has to say. She's got a different perspective. She's got a different way of looking at it. God put her in your life to help you. And then lastly, number three, here's what will happen. 
So being a living example of Jesus. Y'all didn't think verse 7 had all that in it, did you? The ladies were like, all day, they're like, man, we got like seven verses, and they got one. Um, but boy, it's pregnant with truth. And so lastly, number three in this, be a living example of Jesus, experience prayer power. You know, one of the greatest testimonies of a man walking with God is that when he prays, things happen. Prayer power. Unhindered prayers. Write that in your notes. How many of you in this room want unhindered prayers? I want to know that when I'm praying, God will hear me. I want to know when I'm praying that God will answer me. I want to know that when I pray impossible things, God in his power and wisdom and might will answer them. And one guarantee to keep him from doing that is to not be those things for Tina. Mm, so so you, did, you may have been praying for me lately, but you better pray for me that I'll be the man I'm supposed to be for my wife because otherwise when I'm praying for you, it has no effect. What? You kidding me? Well, let's read it. Y'all following along? Verse number 7. Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and being heirs to the grace of life, that your prayers may not be. And there it is. Sort of like a mic drop moment, isn't it? So, ma'am, you don't have to be those things for your husband, but if you want to honor God, you will. If you want your life to be a testimony that you have a living hope in Jesus, you will. And, sir, you don't have to either, but if you want your life to be a living testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ as your living hope, you will. And not just that, but if you want your prayers to have any effect, you'll make sure you're taking care of the number one relationship here on this planet, and that is your relationship with your wife. Now, if you're here today and you've not yet been married, I pray that you'd be very selective in who you choose to go into a covenant union with. I, I pray unto God that you'd understand this thing's a whole lot bigger than what, you know, our culture says. Oh, marriage is just about a man and woman and getting together and having fun and, you know, going on vacations and doing heavens. There's going to be a lot of mountains to climb and a lot of valleys to go through. And it's, it's the, the, the whole purpose of it is to testify of Jesus. And so may you go into the workplace and testify through your marriage that Jesus Christ is Lord, both as a wife and as a husband. If you've not chosen them yet, I pray unto God he'd lead you to the right one, the one that honors him and glorifies him. If you're here tonight and you've just maybe recently been through a divorce, I want to encourage you. Here's the good news. I pray that through what you've heard tonight and what you've experienced, maybe you've learned some things. And maybe tonight and through this process, God is shaping and adjusting some things in your heart and in your life. Okay? So here's what I want to do, all right? I want to, y'all aren't mad at me, are you? It will, I mean, if you are, you just have to pray about it, okay? Because I didn't read you a book that I wrote. I just read to you straight from the Word of God. But what I want to do is take a moment and pray together, Okay? So will you bow your heads with me as the praise team makes their way to the front? Will you do that with me? Now, I want you to put your stuff away if you can. And I'd like for us to do this this evening as a group. Would you just take a really deep breath with me tonight, just as deep as you possibly can, in through your nose and out through your mouth. And tonight, what I want to do is, if there is a husband in the house. Now, I know we addressed wives first because that was the order of the Scripture. But because the husband is to be the servant leader, which means when something needs to be done, he leads out. I'm going to begin with the men. And what I want to do tonight is I want to say to you, sir, if what you have heard tonight has not lined up with how you've, been, how you've been leading her, loving her, 
then I want to invite you as a man, take her by the hand, get up out of your chair, and come down this altar, you and her. Just come on down here with her, okay? And, y'all, we can use that front row there. We can turn that into an altar. We'll just we'll use that and that one right there. And you just come on in. We can make a double row if we need to. And what a sweet moment. Listen, what a sweet moment. What a sweet moment. How special. Yeah, just kneel down wherever you find your spot. Come on in here. We'll get this, just fill the aisles up if we need to. Just Hey, we're not in our chair. The purpose is we left the chair. We're coming down this altar tonight. And I just want you to come down and take her by the hand. And, and I'm going to, listen, we're going to do a couple things that maybe aren't our favorite, that aren't necessarily the easiest. And, and I want to say to you, sir, maybe you would just whisper into her ear when no one can hear you, just you and her. And if this is your desire, you might just say, hey, you know what, I failed you in some areas. I, I recognize tonight that I've not been living this thing out perfect. You just, just whisper it to her ear. Just say, honey, listen, I, 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 I'm not been what I'm supposed to be. And, and would you, listen, would you ask her this? Now, you talk about humility, guys. This is, where the, this is where change really begins. Would you ask her to forgive you? Would you say, hon, could you, could you forgive me? And then, you, ma'am, you say whatever you feel led to say back to him, just, just however you feel led in that moment. And we're not going to rush. Just a sweet time right now. I believe with all my heart, there's some things changing in your marriage and your home that you can't imagine what, what's about to happen next. And so you just pull your heart out to her. And would you now ask her this? Ask her this. Honey, would you say something like this to your wife? Honey, would you pray for me that I'll be the leader that I'm supposed to be? Just ask her to pray for you. Say, will you put me on your prayer list? Will you pray for me every single day that I'll be the man that Christ died for me to be? Will you pray for me? Just ask her. And ma'am, you respond however you want. Just have a little conversation there at the altar. Yes, I will. Or I'll commit to pray for you for the rest of my life. I want to be an example of Jesus to you. I want to live with you with understanding. I want to honor you as an equal partner. Now you just say whatever else is on your heart, and we're going to take just a moment. I'm going to speak to the ladies for just a second. Oh, I'm telling you, there's some things happening in here tonight, the likes of which will touch generations. Defining moment of change, transformation. Tell her you fail to realize that your marriage is really a testimony of your faith in Jesus. Now, I'd like to speak to the ladies if I could, okay? Well, y'all continue to talk, but I want to speak to the ladies for just a minute, okay? If there's a wife down front or out there, <clears throat> or out there in the congregation... That would say, based on what I've heard tonight, I've not necessarily been focused on the right beauty contest. I've not necessarily been the help for you that, that I'm supposed to be. Would you just take a minute, you and him, nobody, nobody else, just you and him, and just say that to him. <clears throat> I've, not been, I've not been learning what I've learned, hearing what I'm hearing tonight. I've not been what I'm supposed to be for you. And then if you mean it, if you mean it, humbly just ask him to forgive you. Say, hey, would you forgive me? 
would you ask him now, would you ask him, hey, will you pray for me every single day of your life that I'll be the wife that God has called me to be? Would you ask him that? Just ask him. Say, will you pray for me every single day? And maybe you'd look her in the eyes and say, yes. I don't know what your answer is, but you'd look her in the eyes and just, just whatever's on your heart, you'd answer. Just look her right in the eyes and say, yes, I'll pray for you every day for the rest of my life. Now, let's take just a second here, and I'm going to pray over you guys. <clears throat> and then I'm going to invite you to stay or go to your seat because I've got some other things I want, some other folk I want to call to the altar, okay? So, God, I just want to say thank you for these couples, those who've left their seat, not just those, but all who are here, all who listen to this later. And I pray, God, that tonight transforming truth and your Holy Spirit are, are going to set captives free. And, Lord, the devil's no longer going to have strongholds in the lives of these men and women. But, Lord, their marriages, our marriages, are going to be a testimony to a fallen world that Jesus is, in fact, our living hope. Now, I'm going to say, if you feel led, you can go back to your seat or you can remain where you are. <clears throat> I want to speak to the people in the room who are single for just a minute, okay? Now, heads are bowed and eyes are closed, except for those who are walking. We don't want you to trip, all right? But for those who are in their chairs, if you'll just have your head bowed and your eyes closed for just a minute, instead of checking out who's coming down the aisle, if you'll just bow your head and close your eyes for just a minute. My question for you now would be simply this, all right? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. My question would be simply this. <clears throat> it could be that... God is already stirring in your heart a certain somebody that you're with, that you're dating, a certain somebody that you've spent a lot of time with, a certain somebody you're getting to know. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Maybe you've not met anyone. Maybe you're tired of looking. You've been looking for so long that you can't find, and you're just, you're just sort of tired. And so what I want to do is invite those people in the room who are not currently married. If you would get out of your chair and come down this altar for just a minute, all right? If you just stand up, come on, get out of your chair. Don't hesitate. Those who are here and are not married, if you just come down the altar, you can come as a, a dating couple. You can come as a, just a single person. Uh, whether that be through recent divorce or what have you. Come on now, y'all are being bashful out there. I know there are many of you out there. Just make your way on now. Heads are bowed. Hey, listen, please don't be looking around to see who's getting up and who's not. If you're not coming to that, if you're not, that don't fit that, please be in prayer right now. Come on, there's some of you need to come down. Just pray for that person. Pray for that person. If God would put them in your life, who they would be. If that person's in your life, that you'd ask for clarity. If this is the person it's supposed to be, you'd ask God. You'd petition the Lord. So as we've come across tonight, we've learned some things about being a husband, about being a wife. You may talk to God right now and say, God, if you give me that opportunity, I know now, I know now, I know better now how you want me to do it. And you might right now pray for that person. If you've not met them yet, you may pray for that person. If you're looking for someone, if you're desiring someone, and you've not yet met that person, maybe right here at the altar, you just begin to ask God, God, would you bring that person now that I understand a little bit better what I'm looking for, and I understand now a little bit better what I'm supposed to be. God, would you send me somebody who loves you more than they love me? Lord, would you send me a man, would you send me a woman who will honor you and help me grow closer to you and not help me drift further away? Lord, would you bring that person in my life in a supernatural way as I focus on you? Will you focus on them and bring them into my life as I focus on my relationship with you. Did you pray something like that? Did you pray God to help you to honor him in singleness? Would you pray that God, if this person I've been dating, this person I've been with, if this is the person, show me, make it clear. If you've just recently been through a divorce, I'm going to pray the Spirit of God will give you peace today and comfort and heal your heart and help you find grace in Jesus. 
So, Lord, tonight I pray for these tonight. I pray, God, whatever is the situation, I pray whatever is the solution, I pray whatever it is your will for their lives, I pray, God, that tonight would be a turning point. That for those who've been lonely and struggling, they would find their peace and contentment in their relationship with you. And God, as they find that, as they find that, then if it be your will, you'd put just the right person in their path. I'm inviting the whole church. Would you pray that for them right now with me? Just right where you are. God, would you bring that person to their life that loves you more than them? That will help them grow closer to you. Father, I pray that your kingdom would come in the lives of these and your will would be done, and they would find their joy, hope, and peace in Christ alone. Now I'm just going to talk to the whole group for just a second if I can. Remember that in Ephesians 5, Paul said, I've been talking to you about marriage, but truthful, I've been talking to you about a mystery, and that mystery is Christ in the church. And that great mystery is that you and I can be the church or referred to as the bride of Christ. But the only way we can do that is to put on the proper wedding garment. And the proper wedding garment has a name. His name is Jesus. And if we will take off our clothing of sinfulness, and if we'll lay that before the Lord, and if we'll trust that Jesus died for us and rose again, and we will put on the Lord Jesus, we'll invite him to be Lord of our lives, we will then in fact become the bride of Jesus Christ, the church, his children, the children of God. So if you're here tonight and that's never happened for you, if you're listening to this podcast or if you're listening online and you've never invited Jesus to be Lord, you don't know what it's like to be the treasured bride of Christ, I beg you tonight, oh, wait one more moment, invite Jesus to be Lord. Wave the white flag, man, turn it over. Slide the title deed over to King Jesus. You'll never regret walking with the Lord. So tonight I'm going to just pray for us and then we're going to lift our voice in song. And if, <clears throat> if there's a response you need to make, then I encourage you to make it. Whatever it is, whatever the Spirit's leading you to do, I pray that you do it as we stand in just a minute and lift our voices in song. God, I thank you for a church that's not concerned with the order of service. I thank you for a church who actually is hungry for the Word of God even when it offends our flesh. <clears throat> God, I thank you for the spirit of humility that only your Spirit can produce in us. And I pray you forgive me for not being the leader that I'm supposed to be in my home, and I pray you'd help me be stronger and better at it. And I thank you, God, for Tina, my great help. And I thank you, Lord, for this church. I thank you for the people who make up this church. I thank you for the ones who will be a part of this church in the future. I thank you for the married folk, the single folk, the ones who've been through divorce, the ones who've not yet been married. I thank you for all of them. And I pray your hand to be upon them. And I pray they know you, not just about you. And so, Lord, as we lift our voice in song, would you allow your spirit to move, rebuke the enemy, and have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.